Welcome to the teaching ministry at Carthus Creek Community Church. Well, good morning, church, and happy Thanksgiving to you, and especially to those who are maybe just visiting or guests here this morning. I know families connect a lot over the holiday time, and so uh, to all of those uh, of you that fall into that category, a warm welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. And to those who are watching and going to watch in the week ahead via the, the web tools, uh, a warm welcome to you as well. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but in Canada, Bibles are absolutely everywhere. Everywhere you turn, you can find a Bible. We can find them in bookstores. We can find them in motel rooms. We can find the Bible on CD, on tape, on the internet, on your iPhone. They're absolutely everywhere. Everywhere you go, it seems the scriptures are there. Bibles are available in all shapes and sizes and all forms. There are large print for those of you who are struggling a little bit with your eyes. There are tiny little prints that you can just tuck them away in your pocket and no one's ever going to know you have the Bible on you. There are different uh, translations. There are different versions. They're leather bound. They're paperback. And they also come in recycled newsprint for those of you who are green friendly. There are men's study Bibles. There, in fact, um, I was shocked to see online this, this week, there are men's study Bibles for uh, 49-year-old balding guys who are a little bit chubby. You can get an actual you know, study Bible that just fits us. And ladies, so that you don't f- you know, feel left out, there are Bibles for brunettes who are uh, under the age of 35. That's really under the age of 35. There are all kinds of Bibles. In fact, I found out this week that because of all that's going on, there are Army Edition Bibles. This was a brand new one to me. And you can get them in two different types of camouflage. You can get them in green camouflage or tan camouflage. And it's true. I'm I'm not making this up. The Bible is absolutely everywhere. Do you know that the Bible outsells every other book every year? It's a perennial uh, all-time bestseller. There are 500 million Bibles published every year in 18,000 different languages. The Bible is absolutely everywhere. And yet millions of people, I want to suggest to you this morning, millions of people actually never really fully engage with this book that we call the Scripture. Even though it's at our disposal, even though we can get it on the airways, on your drive home from church today, I guarantee you can find a radio station and engage in the Bible. But why is it that people never fully engage in the Bible? I want to suggest to you that it's not automatic. And that's one of the chief reasons why you and I have this danger of not really fully engaging in the Bible as a part of a normal Christian life. Last week, Pastor John kicked off this sermon series that we're doing from now through till Christmas called A Normal Christian Life. And we're studying through the book of James together. And as we get to James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27 this morning... I want to suggest to you that James is going to give us some practical tips. James is so practical. He's one of the most practical writers that we have in the New Testament. He's going to give us some real practical tips that as part of a normal Christian life, you and I can fully engage in the Scriptures. See, if we believe that the Scriptures have everything we need for life and godliness, then really we need to engage the Scriptures, but we need to fully engage the Scriptures. And I want to talk about what that means and what that could mean to you and I. The key verse, I think, is found in verse 25 of James chapter 1, where James says this, The man or the woman who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they've heard, But doing it, he or she will be blessed in what they do. 
The Bible is called the perfect law of God because it contains everything that we need for life and godliness. It promises us freedom and it promises everything that, that you and I need to lead a normal Christian life. But it is not automatic. The blessing of the scriptures, the guidance that we need for everyday life is not automatic. It doesn't come to us just because we own a Bible or own several Bibles. We need to be intentional about engaging in the Bible. And that is, the, is what James gives us. And so I want to outline for you from James chapter 1 three steps to fully engage the Bible as part of a normal Christian life. Now, this is not some kind of special push that we're doing. This is not saying, hey, as we lead up to Christmas, we're going to a special drive to get into the Bible like never before. This is what it means to be part of being a healthy follower, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and to fully engage the Scripture. We need to practice these things all the time, and that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. So what does James tell us? Well, the first thing that I think James will suggest to you and I is that we must receive God's word. You and I have to be open to receiving God's word. In verses 19 through to 21, James says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. James says here in verse 21 that you and I are to accept the word of God. To accept the word that is planted in us. We need to be those who are willing to receive the word of God. The term that James uses here for accept the word of God is actually a hospitality term. It's a type of term that James in his day um, paints a picture for people. Someone, you know, you hear this knock at your door and you go to the door and there's someone at the door and you say to them, hey, listen, good to see you, great to see you. You know, come on in. Just come on in and we can have a, a time together. Come on in and sit down. Let me get you a drink. Let me get you something. That's the term that James uses here as he approaches the scripture and he says to you and I as followers of Jesus Christ that we need to accept, we need to welcome into our lives the word of God. We need to have that same kind of attitude towards the Word of God. We must be receptive. We must be interested. We must be open. We must be involved. We must be attracted to the Word of God. James says that we need to receive that Word of God with the right attitude. If I'm going to receive God's Word, then there are some attitudes that I have to check in my life and that you have to check in your life to see if we're actually truly being receptive to the Word of God. The first one he says is this, the first attitude, is that we need to be careful. I love what James says in verse 19. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. All of us who are parents know that that's true. You know, how many times have, you, have I said to my kids, well, just stop, stop for a second. Just be quiet and then you can listen to what I'm trying to get across to you. We, we know that when, we, when we're talking, we're not as open to listening. And James says that we need to approach the scriptures carefully. We need to be those who are characterized by an attitude that is quick to listen and slow to speak. We need to be very, very careful in this area, and we need to guard the attitude that we have. As we come and as we approach the Word of God, whether it's in your daily reading time or your weekly reading time, or whether it's in a time like this when 
when someone stands up here and proclaims the word of God, are we quick to listen and slow to speak? We must be ready to receive God's word, and that is an attitude that each one of us needs to cultivate in our lives, a quick readiness to listen to the word of God if we truly hope to receive it. But not only do we need to be careful, I think James also says that we need to be calm. He says that we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then in the end of verse 19, he says, and slow to become angry. A relaxed attitude increases receptivity. And if you're relaxed, people can communicate with you. You see, I have found that in my life, I don't hear very much when I get all angry and I'm all steamed up about something. I'm not open to communication. And so many of us can approach the Word of God this way. I remember years and years ago, in a previous church, a church that I was involved in when Jen and I were just first married, I remember talking to a man one time who had come for years and years to the church and finally decided he was going to leave. And he was just going to leave because there was nothing happening in that church. And we just chatted. We chatted about, you know, why the church wasn't meeting his needs or what, if there was anything he was upset about. And during the course of conversation, it came out that he would sit in the same seat over in, well, I shouldn't pick on sections, but he sat over here somewhere. And he said to us, finally, as his final kind of exit of the church, he said, I would come to church every Sunday and I would watch the people on the platform and I would think, who does he think he is? Who does she think she is? You know what? She can't sing. Who does he think he is trying to play that instrument? I could play that instrument better than he can. And this guy had this, this boiling, this slow boil that would go on. And it would go on week after week after week. And then he wonders why God never spoke to him. Why nothing was ever happening in that church. And you and I, if we, need, if we want to be receptive to the word of God, we need to be careful and we need to be calm as we approach the word of God, whether it's on a Sunday morning or whether it's in our reading time. We need to take time to prepare ourselves. How many of you have had just a completely smooth morning this morning? Nothing hectic happened at home. Raise your hands. Yeah, a few of you, and you're really shy about it. You ever notice that? Well, isn't, isn't that crazy, really? Like when you think about it, isn't it really, really crazy? A lot of households from Monday through to Friday are really not that bad. You know, you get the kids up and we've got to get them off to school if that's the age of kids and stuff that you have. And we've got to get ready for work and you've got to, you know, make your, your, your the 727 Express Go train and you've got everything like all down pat and it just, boom, it just runs like clockwork. And then Sunday comes along and all hell breaks loose on Sunday. Can't get anybody going for 10 o'clock. God forbid, 10 o'clock. You know how early that is? And then we, you know, we scramble our way in here and we just kind of make this, we just make our seat, as long as no one's taken it, we make our seat and we get into our spot and they're just finishing like the third song and you're like, oh, I didn't miss too much, just a couple of songs and everything else before that. And then we come in and we just kind of, and we hit and we go, okay, God, ready, open, here we go, come on. What is going on? Why? Like, we've got to prepare ourselves, don't we? If we want to receive the Word of God, doesn't it take preparation? I know for me it takes an enormous amount of preparation. I want to encourage you, friends. I know it's difficult, and I know that at different stages of life this was easier for us and harder at other stages of life. 
But let's make an effort to prepare ourselves and let's see maybe how God will speak to us in the midst of that. So we need to be clear, sorry, we need to be careful and we need to be calm. It's okay to clap in church. <laughs> then thirdly, I think we need to be clean. And again, James, being his practical self, says it's not just about preparation and it's not just about, you know, having some of these right attitudes, but we need to come and we need to be clean as well. In verse 21, he says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. See, before you can plant seeds, you need to do a little weeding. And I, I love how James does this when he's talking about receiving the word of God, about hearing the word of God. The, the, the word that he actually uses here for filth is the word earwax. That's the actual word that James uses. And you see what he's kind of doing here, the play that he's making? He said, look, if you want to hear better, if you want to hear God's message a little better, clean your ears out. Get rid of some of the earwax. And the earwax, James said, is the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. See, James lived in a world just like ours, where we're surrounded by all of this stuff, by all of this garbage that, it, that, that so invades and competes in our lives. And God says to us, as we come and we approach the Word of God and as we engage the Bible to become fully devoted as part of a normal Christian life. He says, lay aside all of the old habits, the junk, the noise, the static in your life so that you can actually hear and the word of God can actually get through to us. But then he also says, be compliant. And by compliant, I mean teachable, yielded, humble, willing to be changed. In verse 21, James says, humbly accept the word of God that is planted in you. Don't act like you know it all. Don't act like as you approach the scriptures, whether you're listening to the scriptures or you're reading the scriptures or you're listening to a message, whether it be here or somewhere else, don't act like you can't learn anything new. We need to humbly accept the word of God. We need to have that kind of attitude. And so as we approach the word of God, as we seek to receive the word of God, I need to ask you, how is your reception? How is the reception in your life going? Could I encourage you to be careful and to be calm, to be clean and to be compliant when we approach the Word of God, whether it's just reading it on your own in your, in your own quiet time or whether it's in a time like this. God says if you want to fully engage, first you have to receive His Word. But reception is not enough. Just hearing the word of God, just reading the word of God is not enough. And James says that not only do we need to receive the word of God, but secondly, we need to reflect on the word of God. Look at verses 22 to 25. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man or a woman who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the person who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in all that he does. James uses an illustration here of a mirror. He says, God's word is like a mirror. What's the purpose of a mirror? Well, the purpose of a mirror is to evaluate. That's why we look at the mirror. We look at the mirror to evaluate the damage from the night before. That's why we get up and we look at the mirror. And, and that's... 
And what James is trying to say to us here is, what's the sense in looking at a mirror and then just walking away and just absolutely forgetting what you saw? The purpose of looking at the mirror is because you're going to do something about what you see. That's what mirrors do. That's what really good mirrors do. They reflect exactly the way things are. Mirrors are not biased, unless you go to one of those kind of fun houses where you get the skinny mirror, the fat mirror, you know, the tall mirror. But a good mirror reflects the way things actually are, not the way we believe they are. Something really weird's been happening to me in malls. Some of you are chuckling already. What's happening to me in malls is... My dad is showing up in malls all the time. I, is this happening to some of you? I go walking by stores. I'm not in the malls very much because it creeps me out because my dad's always there. But I go walking by these, these stores and some of them have mirrors on them and I just catch out of the corner of my eye and I'm like, what's my dad doing in the mall? Look, I love my dad, but I don't want to look like him. But the reality is, the older I get, the more I look like my dad. That's reality. And the thing about a mirror is, as much as I think inside that I'm six foot five and 180 pounds, I am not with long curly hair. I am not. The mirror, <laughs> the mirror shows reality. The mirror tells the truth. You ever seen yourself in the Word of God? Have you ever seen your reflection in the Word of God? Have you ever seen the Word of God act like a mirror, an honest mirror to you? I think a lot of people are afraid of reading the Bible because of that. I think a lot of people give the Bible a cursory look because they don't want to fully engage in the Scriptures because they don't really want to see themselves as they really are. Well, James, again, being his ever-practical self, gives us some helps in reflecting on the word of God. The first thing that James says to us in verse 25 is that we need to read it. He says, the man or the woman who looks intently into the perfect law. And what he's actually talking about here is investigating, inquiring, researching, studying the scriptures. The the word that he uses here, look, means to stoop down and to gaze in. It's, It's exactly the same word that is used In the gospel accounts, you remember when Peter and John went running to the empty tomb after they got news that Jesus had risen? And they ran, and Peter arrives a little bit before John, and I imagine him panting, and and the stone has been rolled away, and he stoops down, and he looks into the tomb. He's investigating. He wants to see if this is really true. That's the word that James uses here. It's the exact same word, and I believe he's used it for that purpose. We are to read the Word of God. We are to investigate. We are to get into and study the Word of God as part of a normal Christian life. So we need to ask ourselves, how how are we doing at that? We need to focus our attention on God's Word. But not only are we to read it, but we're also to review it. In verse 25, he says, the man or the woman who looks intently into the perfect law of God and continues to do so. He continues to do so. Repetition. We need to do it over and over again. It's really difficult for us to fully engage the scriptures if we get up and we're waiting, you know, we're going to get that 727 express train, but it's 715, crack open the Bible, read my, you know, two verses for today, close it, boom, made the train, hallelujah. 
We, we need to kind of get into it. We need to get a bit more into it, and we need to review it. We need to get into the Scripture over and over and over again. We need to meditate on the Scripture. Some of you are going, oh boy, meditation. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Everybody here knows how to meditate. Why do I know that's true? Well, when you mull over and over and over and over again on negative things, it's called worry. Worry is a negative form of meditation. And if you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. It's fairly simple, I think. You just mull over positive things in your mind. And I'm not talking about thinking positive thoughts. I'm talking about mulling over and over and over in our minds the scriptures. We, we need to chew on the scriptures. Meditation and chewing is really a picture word. It's a picture word of a cow chewing its cud. You just do it over and over and over again. And the psalmist says to us that we need to learn to meditate, to chew over and over again on the word of God. I think we all meditate on stuff. We all chew on stuff. We all get into stuff over and over and over again. For some, it's Dear Abby. For some, it's the sports scores. For some, it's Facebook. For others, it's Twitter. For some, it's horoscopes. You just pick the subject. Pick the subject. All of us meditate. All of us chew in things over and over and over again. And what James is making a strong appeal to here is that we review over and over and over again the Word of God in our lives. We need to fill our minds with the Word of God. James says as being part of a normal Christian life is to reflect on the Word of God. But not only do we need to read it and then review it, but we also need to remember it. Verse 25 the man or woman who looks intently into the perfect law of God, right, and continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard. We need to remember the word of God. And I just want to, again, encourage you to learn to memorize the word of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, 11, your word, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wow. It's a powerful verse and worthy of us remembering that verse. We remember what's important to us. And we need to remember the scripture. Because there are times in your life, and there's times in my life, and this has been true over the years, when I just don't have a Bible on me. You know, I, before the electronic versions, all of you iPhone people, I know you're going, never happens. I've got it always at my fingertips. But for the rest of us. We need to memorize scripture because we need to get the word of God into our minds and into our hearts so that we can recall it when we need to recall it. When I was a younger Christian, nothing bolstered my faith and revolutionized my Christian walk with God, my normal Christian life, like memorizing scripture. I used to meet with an accountability group every week and we used to pick a new verse. There was four guys, and one guy would pick a verse, and then another guy would pick a verse, and we would memorize them, but we didn't forget them after we memorized them, but we just kept on memorizing, and we met together for about two years, memorizing scripture. And I mean, don't start with the entire book of Ezekiel, okay? But we need to get the scripture into our minds and into our hearts, because we need to be able to recall it when we need to, like when we're tempted, right? First Corinthians 10, 13. 
No temptation has seized me except what is common to man. But God is faithful and will not let me be tempted beyond what I am able to bear. But when I am tempted, he will also give me a way of escape so that I can stand up under it. How many times do you think I've said that? Hundreds of times I've said it to myself. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Verses that, that God has given me as a teenage boy. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. We need to memorize the scripture. We need to get the scripture into our lives. So James says receive the word of God with the right attitude. And, in, in, and improve our reception. And we need to reflect on God's word by reading it, reviewing it, and remember it. But that's not enough. It's not enough. James says to us that we also must respond to the word of God as part of a normal Christian life. Verses 22 and then 26 and 27. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What James is talking about here is practice. What good is a mirror if you look at it and you don't do anything about what you see in the mirror? That's James's point. And when James says, listen, when, when, when he says that we need to listen here, the Greek word again that he uses is the word audit. I remember in university, used to get a lot of people who audited courses. You could always tell the people who were auditing the course why. No pressure. Because to audit a course meant that you would go and you would take the course, but you never had any responsibility in the course. You never had to do the tests. You never had to do the exams. You never had to hand in any papers. You were just there to soak up all of the lectures, and then you just went out. Didn't have to do anything about it. And what James is saying here is that there are a lot of auditors in the church. Then when it comes to approaching the word of God, to being open to receiving the word of God, and to getting into the word of God, we must be prepared to do something about what we hear and what we see and what we read. If we don't, James says, it's self-deception. It's self-deception when I don't allow the word of God to change me. It's self-deception when I don't allow the word of God to move me to action based on what I have learned. The test of Christian maturity is not knowledge. The, the test of Christian maturity is more about character. Being like Jesus in his character and in his conduct the two must go together. We must do something about what we learn and read in Scripture. We must do something about what we already know. And knowledge increases responsibility. The more I know, the more you know from the Scripture, the more accountable we are. Quite frankly, this is one of the things that frightens me about the North American church. Because we know so much. Because we have so much access to this book and to great, fabulous teaching on this book that our knowledge is increasing and increasing and increasing. 
And we're taking more and more and more spiritual calories in, but we're not burning off spiritual calories because we're not doing enough about the knowledge that we do have. I think James really understood this from his half-brother, Jesus. Jesus, as he went around, if you, if you read in the gospel accounts the ministry of Jesus, there was one group of people that particularly seemed to tick Jesus off a lot, mostly the Pharisees. Why did they tick him off so much? What, who are the Pharisees? See, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were the back-to-the-Bible movement. The Pharisees were the ones who wanted to study the Scriptures. They were the ones who really wanted to know the Scriptures. That's what it meant to be a Pharisee. And Jesus would come along to them, and he would say to them, you hypocrites. Why did Jesus call them hypocrites? Sorry. Why did Jesus call them hypocrites? Because Jesus is saying, look, if this is how much you know in terms of knowledge about God and about the Scriptures, and this is how much you do, and there's a gap between how much you know and how much you do, that gap is called hypocrisy. A gap is called hypocrisy. And we need to live up to how much we know. A little later on in his book, James is going to say this, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin. If you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, it's sin. Why? Because it's hypocrisy. We know this much and we only do this much. We need, we need a balance here in our normal Christian lives. We need to be living out the stuff that we already know about God and about his scripture and about the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be mature. That's what it means to be fully devoted. You do what the Bible says must not only read the Word of God, we need to heed the Word of God. Every single one of us right now, I would suspect, knows more spiritual truth than we're actually putting into practice. And that should scare us, because that's hypocrisy. Over the years, I've heard a lot of people say this, not at this church, but previous churches that I've been involved in. They'd come along to me and they'd say, oh, Dave, Pastor Dave, we need to meet with you, my wife and I, because we're thinking of leaving the church. And as a senior pastor, it would always be a big pit in your stomach, and you'd go to that meeting. And more often than not, words like this would come up. Well, you know, Dave, we really love the church, and we really like you, you're a really cool guy, but we just don't feel like we're getting fed. Ever heard that? I won't ask if you've said it. I struggled with that for years. I felt completely guilty. I felt defeated as a pastor. I felt inadequate in my teaching and my preaching ministry until one day a United Church minister really helped me with this. He said, Dave, haven't you read your Bible? He said, Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 34, my food, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Jesus links feeding with doing because jesus the son of god understood that we can't take in more calories than we burn off because we get spiritually fat when we do that that we need a balanced diet we need spiritual knowledge we need to get into the word of god and we need to grow but even as much we need to be balanced because we need to have output that offsets that and that's exactly what James says here. Because as he concludes this piece, this section of Scripture on the Word, he gives us three practical illustrations. He says, you want to know what this looks like? Let me just help you a little bit. 
James concludes it this way. In verse 26, he says that one of the ways that you know if you're a doer of the word is if you have a controlled mouth. If you and I have a controlled mouth, we know. He says, if anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Now, James, in this little section, in these last couple of verses, is not trying to fully define religion. What he's doing is he's giving us examples of what it means to be a hearer of the word, a receiver of the word, but also then a doer of the word of God. And the word that he uses here for religion is religious activity, like coming to church, like reading your Bible, like giving alms, like tithing. He says those are all religious activities. He said, but if you want to really know if your religion is not useless, he said, Let's just run these three little tests by you. How's your mouth? How's your tongue? (laughs) See, the word of God, this mirror, cuts right to the heart of who we are as human beings. Because I know, I know from personal experience that I can read the scripture and feel close to God and, oh God, thank you for speaking this morning and I can come to a service like this and I can raise my hands and I can worship with the best of them and right in there, And then I know that I can leave a place like this and I can say some things that ultimately I regret. James says, you want to understand how your religion is going? How's your tongue? And secondly, he says, not only do we need to look and see if we've got a controlled mouth, but what about a caring heart, James says. Verse 26, he says, religion that God, that our God and Father accepts as faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Why did James pick on orphans and widows? Because in James' society, orphans and widows were worthless. They had no value. They were the forgotten, the marginalized of society, and no one really cared about orphans and widows. And James says, you want to understand if you're a doer of the word, if you're actually receiving it properly and you're understanding it and you're integrating it into your life? He says, what's your attitude towards the marginalized of society? How are you, Dave, to orphans and widows? The ancient Jewish scholars used to say this about a community of God. You always know what a community of God thinks of God by how they treat the orphans and widows. And they're amongst us today. They're amongst us today in Canada and around the world. And how we deal with orphans and widows has a lot to say about what kind of religion we have. So a controlled mouth, a caring heart, and then finally a clean mind. (laughs) James, again, so practically just says, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The world and its system, the world and its values, the world and its operating system is not the operating system by which we function. We have a different operating system. We run countercultural. We don't hold the same values. And James says that if we're going to fully engage the Bible, that these are the kinds of things that we must be doing as part of a normal Christian life, an everyday Christian life. We need to receive the Word of God. We need to integrate the Word of God into our lives, but then we actually need to do something about the Word of God. So James would say to us this morning, and I'm not going to ask you, what are you doing? What are you doing about what you already know? 
What are you doing about the stuff that you already know in the scriptures? There is ample opportunity around this place. We are launching into this fall season and there's a lot going on and we're talking about three services, about 909, 11.11, and 6.06 and you're not going to be late for those. Right? I'll take the laughter as we'll think about it. Because we want to be prepared. We want to come to receive everything that God has for us and we want to prepare ourselves. But as we do that, there's, there's just so much work that needs to be done. This, this sheet was in your bulletin last week, and it's there again this week. And I would just really strongly encourage you to read this thing through. And if you're not serving already somewhere, and we know from our survey that about a third, a quarter to a third of the people who come to C4 don't serve anywhere. Nowhere. So if we want to become doers of the word then I'd encourage you to take this sheet and to look at it and, and to ask God to point you to an area. And if you need more information, there's some people right outside that can help you uh, out in the lobby with that. There's a desk there, and they'd be more than willing to talk to you about it. But we need to be doers of the word. We need to get on and sign on to the common because on the common, we're going to be able to help meet the needs of each other. That's why it's there. It's a way for us just to communicate with each other so we can say, I have a need. I have two needs on there right now. Go on there, sign on there, meet my needs, help me out. Why? Because that's doing the word. That's loving one another and caring for one another the way God has instructed us and called us to do. I just really want to encourage you to get into the word of God and to study it and to read it and to memorize it, to let it change your life. But as you do that, be prepared beforehand. Say to God, God, with your help and by your grace, I will do the things that you're asking me to do because we don't want our religion, we don't want our walk with Jesus to be fruitless. We want our religion, our walk with Jesus, to be with integrity. And so we need to be doers of the word as much as we are students of the word. Let's pray together. Lord God, um, I, I do thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that it has the power to change, to change a human heart. Lord, continue to help us to be students of the word. Help us not to be afraid of the mirror, but may we be open and honest, God, to what you want to say to us through your word and by your spirit. But please, Lord, also give us the courage to follow through on the things that you are speaking to us about, about things in our own lives that are not pleasing to you or about things that we need to do both here at home and around the globe for the sake of the marginalized, for the sake of our brothers and sisters. So God, thank you that this is your will and that you will help us to do it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more teaching, info, or to give financially, please visit us at our website, crotherscreek.ca.